Welcome to the Drive with Dave podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Miller at drivewithdave.com. I get to drive some of the fastest, coolest, sexiest cars on the planet. Ever since I bought my first Ferrari, I've been immersed in the global car community. Now I travel the world uncovering the hidden gems in luxury transportation and connecting with extraordinary car enthusiasts. Join me as I find the most exotic cars, meet the owners, and get the -the behind-the-scenes stories of the world's most exclusive rides. A few things come to mind when I think of racing drivers. Seat time, competitive spirit, good reaction time, of course, and the ability to concentrate. What I don't think about is being a head drum major in marching band, being a nationally honored clarinetist, or soloing Carnegie Hall in New York City. I think this has been my downfall in improving my lap times. I have done none of these. But my guest today has as well. She has been a Pirelli World Challenge driver, a Porsche Club of America high-performance driving instructor, Skip Barber Racing School's high-performance driving instructor, and two times she has received the Spirit of Mazda Award recipient. In a man's world, I'm pleased to welcome a professional race car driver, Sarah Montgomery from Lafayette, Louisiana. Sarah, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, good. I think the question is, first, how is things down in Lafayette? Well, they are wonderful down here. It's nice and warm. It's like sunny and 85 today. Uh So I am certainly not complaining because all of my northern friends are freezing today, (laughs) but not me. (laughs) My wife and I grew up in Chicago, and we bounced back and forth between Los Angeles, where where we're broadcasting from today. So all of my friends in Chicago are sort of saying the same thing. Ick, it's not racing season at Road America yet. Nope, not yet, but it certainly is down here. That's why you see all of the racing people coming down here for races. Now, as interesting as your racing career and certainly your background is, I'm more interested at the beginning of the show in getting your best recipe for a crawfish boil. Oh, boy. Um, There is crawfish stations on about every corner here in Lafayette, so you can (laughs) certainly get the different size you want. Um, And then literally you just put the crawfish in any of the type of seasoning you want that you can find at any grocery store, boil it for about, I don't even know how long, but you can Google that, (laughs) and you're good to go. Crawfish pretty much tastes the same. So if my wife and I are headed down to Lafayette, we are looking you up and expecting you to take us to the best place for, for a crawfish boil. Is that good? Perfect. I can certainly do that. Sarah, tell me a little bit about now. You are at the tender age of 23 right now. Correct. You started racing as a kid, a child. Where did you, you start racing? Yeah, so I was um, about 10 years old when my parents got free tickets to an Indy car race in Texas, um, my dad had, you know, had the top sales and whatever he was doing that month. So he got these free tickets to go to an Indy car race at Texas world speedway. I get Texas motor versus Texas world. So whatever one it is, um, we went there and I was 10 years old. We got the sweet tickets. So, you know, the box office where it was free food, free drinks, all that stuff. And love it, love it. There was nothing more that I wanted to do than go down and sit in the stands, be next to the fence and hear the cars. Uh-huh. Um, so somehow, you know, with our sweet tickets, my dad snuck us down um, to the actual grandstands. And there was nothing more thrilling for me as a 10 year old girl to see Danica Patrick on the track. You know, it was one of her first races that I watched. Hmm. Um, she was just incredibly doing amazing. And the smell of the fuel, the burning of the tires, you know, just everything was just 
totally invigorating to me. It just sucked me in and I've been a fan and obsessed with it ever since. (laughs) So you've gotten bitten by the bug at a very, very early age, 10 years old. And then where did it go from there, Sarah? Yeah. So, um, that next year after that race, I was just enthralled by racing. So my, um, you know, homework was always done on Sundays, but that was also racing days for IndyCar and NASCAR. So, um, I started watching racing over doing homework, um, for all Mm -hmm. you kids out there. I don't advise that. (laughs) (laughs) I got my homework done, um, uh, on a in a timely manner. Uh, so I watched racing, you know, learn the sport, learn the skill, learn learn, um, passing and, you know, everything you kind of need to know and understand about racing, you know, what the different flags meant, all the things like that. Um, and then about a year later at that same exact race, my dad got the same free tickets again. So we went to the same race again and my bug was even stronger because I actually understood the sport and understood exactly what kind of was going through the driver's minds. Um, and when we got home from that race, I was super, wanting to be a race car driver and brought my parents, my piggy bank, you know, with my 11 year old life savings, whatever that is. Six bucks. A couple hundred yeah. bucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, to my parents and said, please help me get involved in racing. Um, because there's nothing more that I want to do. And my dad looked at my mom and my mom was like, absolutely not. You know, she can be a ballerina, something that's safe, <laughs> something that's not as dangerous as racing. Um, and my dad was like, I'm not telling her no. And my mom didn't want to be the bad guy. So Hmm. they caved and bought me a dirt oval go-kart. So that's how I first started. Um, I started racing when I was about 12 or 13 in this dirt oval go-kart. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. Mm -hmm. And and where did it go from there? So you're out there racing and you must have had some modicums of success to really, there must have been some successful drives for you to continue. Yeah. So, um, my very first race, um, in the dirt oval karting, um, you know, we don't race if it's raining. So the first six months after me having my go-kart, every race was rained out, which was hard because I wanted to go racing. You know, we bought all this equipment, we finally had a cart and I couldn't even go race it, um, because it kept raining, you know, here in Louisiana does that quite frequently, Mm -hmm. um, and unexpectedly. (laughs) So (laughs) when I finally got to race the first time I got out on track, I somehow turned to the right on an oval track and totally just destroyed the cart in the wall. Mm. Um, and I don't know where people came giving us parts and things like that. We're don't know these people were writing down their names and so-and-so gave us this part, you know, to repay them. Uh, but we got back out on track and, um, had a rough first year, you know, cause all these other guys had been competing and knew the sport. So they had, you know, knew exactly what to expect and were obviously better seasoned than I was. Mm-hmm. So I, um, after that first year wound up couple winning a few championships from then on out, um, with karting, you know, became the first woman at our track to ever win a championship. I won two championships. So became the first woman to win two championships, which was super exciting for me. Um, and then my, cousin who happens to be bill riley which is one of the top designers of race cars in the world um if you watch the 24 hours of daytona you can see the prototype cars and the riley riley chassis is my cousin oh yeah incredible so i'm really lucky to have him on board but my cousin bill sent me down his shifter cart 
to just kind of learn how to shift because I was kind of looking to starting into getting into cars um, and car racing and things of that sort. So he sent me the shifter cart and we go out in um, Cajun Field, which is our, a big open parking lot where we have our college football games. Um, and it's kind of in the middle of town next to where a lot of traffic passes by. And um, so I had my helmet on and I was had cones set up because it's like one of those quick 150 mile an hour carts. And I was just practicing, learning the gear, shifting, downshifting, heavy braking, things of that sort. Um, just because the dirt cart is just, you know, one gear, just go and that's it. So uh -huh. just trying to understand that whole concept. And when I was out there driving in the Cajun Field parking lot, this guy pulls up and gets out and starts talking to my dad. And he's like, oh, my God, dude, your son is just flying you know, and was just like, I really can't wait to meet this kid. And so I, I, you know, unbeknownst to me, I don't know what's going on and don't know who this guy is. So I, um, finally go back to my dad, take my helmet off and then my red curly locks fall out of my helmet. <laughs> and, uh, the it's guy a weird was looking boy <laughs> completely like taken aback, like, Oh my God. Um, and ever since then he's been like my best friend. So he definitely got me started in car racing. Let me borrow his spec Miata to get me in cars. So he was already a racer himself and I blame him for where I am now because mm -hmm. he it just yeah. injected the bug into me that much more. So he helped me get started in spec Miata racing, gave me a car to drive, you know, let me borrow his trailer. Um, and I did spec Miata racing in the South here for about three to four years. Um, and won a couple championships doing that. And then, um, I wound up moving into pro racing after I got a lot of spec Miata, uh, skill down because those guys in spec me out are just insane. Uh -huh. So, um, <laughs> I learned a lot from them, but moved into pro racing, um, and did this, uh, Mazda MX five cup series for two to three years. And, um, it, it was just totally a learning curve to be completely honest, because I just had never been in anything like that with crowds, you know, in excess of a hundred thousand people. Um, so it was, a really cool learning experience, you know, being around 20 years old, not even being 21 yet in, in such an amazing field. Um, did that for three years and then moved to Pirelli World Challenge last year mm -hmm. and um, raced a Honda Civic. Had a pretty bad accident, um, one of the worst that a lot of people have ever seen, but I'm here and good. And this year I'm looking for a ride. I have an idea of exactly what I want to do. I'm just looking for the funding for it. So. Uh, we'll talk about, we'll, and Sarah, we'll talk about funding in a second, but the steps that you took along the road, was it always that people looked at you and say, hey, that guy over there or that girl over there, whoever's in that car, uh, we'd like to bring her up? Or did somebody push you? What was, what was the impetus all the time to push you from series to series, always getting better? Well, um, it definitely has been the generosity of others. So from carding to cars was the guy who I was just telling you about, um, you know, mm -hmm. wanted to see me in racing cars and, um, he helped me throughout my entire spec Miata career and has, it still does help me. Um, and then a totally different guy who I had a five minute conversation with that I don't even remember to this day, um, is the, the guy who's helped me and in get into pro racing. So he helped fund me in, um, MX five cup series. He wanted me to get on the pro level, which has always been a dream of mine. Um, and I, fingers crossed might have a big partner to help me get into an even, even bigger pro series this year. So 
um, it's definitely always been the help of others and the generosity of others um, that have gotten me to where I am. Um, of course, I want to be a paid professional driver one day, but it's hard to do that on your own without the help of other people. Do you feel that your years with the Lafayette High School marching band contributed <laughs> to your to your feelings about teamwork? Oh, oh, absolutely. And even professionalism, you know, so being in charge of a high school band where there's over 400 people in it, you can't, you can't be that person that they can't look up to, you know, being a freshman in high school, I remember looking up to that senior drum major and just thinking that they were everything. And she was so professional. And I wanted to be exactly that for those freshmen. So um, that band has definitely introduced me into being very professional at a young age. Um, and with that even being said, when I was 16 years old, um, I got a phone call from my current sponsor now Lafayette travel. Um, and they called me in and I had no clue what they wanted. Um, I had never met them before and I sit down with the CEO and the first thing he says is we've been watching your social media for over six months now. And, you know, kudos to you for being so professional at a young age, you know, not, going out and partying, not putting anything political on Facebook, just really being a clean, um, professional figure. And, um, sure enough, they wanted to sponsor me and partner with me because of social media being so clean. So I really <laughs> kind of thank band for helping me with that. And then also teamwork. Um, you know, it's with 400 members in a band, you know, if one person messes up, it's kind of a whole, you know, domino effect is mm -hmm. a good way of putting sure. it. Um, but that's exactly how racing is. You know, when you come in for a pit stop, you know, if there's that one person who's feeling down or something that can really mess up the entire day for any, for everyone. So it's, it's all about teamwork and making sure everyone feels that they're needed and wanted there. Um, and I can definitely, as you said, thank Ban for that, for definitely teaching me that at a young and early age. You know, you bring up the or I guess maybe I did. I brought up the teamwork kind of thing. And I think a lot of people watch stuff on TV or they think, well, I'm, I'm the driver or that guy or gal is over there driving that car. And that's just them out there on the track. But again, there's a whole group of people. Who's behind the scenes that you count on, Sarah? Oh gosh, who's not? Um, it's, it's funny. Cause like in NASCAR, people think the drivers, everything, cause that's, you know, what they see on TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. They are the one that, you know, is the performer, but if there's not that whole team of people behind them, nothing's going to work from the engineer of the car to help with setup. Um, if the car's not handling well, then, uh, you, you go visit your engineer and without the engineer, you won't perform well at all. Um, all the crew guys that make sure the car is completely ready to go at the, at the race, beginning of the race to the end, you know, whether it's them changing oil, checking oil, checking all the other fluids, changing tires, um, making sure that all of the engineers alignment work and suggestions are put to the car. Um, and then of course your, um, your teammates and your other co-drivers, um, you need to be friends with them because you don't want to have enemies on track that are close to you. But without those guys behind the scenes, people don't realize that they literally are everything. Um, the driver kind of just gets to the track and gets in the car and goes um, without doing any of the work. So without those guys, honestly, nothing would work, <laughs> you know. Uh -huh. 
Uh, hey, our, if our research department did uh, anything right, they, they said that you may be co-driving with someone or have in the past. Is that true? Uh, yeah, so I've definitely co-driven with someone in the past, and um, I'm kind of looking this year to do um, Continental Tire Series, which is nationally televised, and um, it requires a co-driver. So I'm looking at co-driving with another female in racing named Ashton Harrison. She's in the MX-5 Cup Series this year, um, and we're currently in the same sitting boat, you know, looking for partners and because it's really difficult. It's not an easy sport to find money for just because it's so new for people you know a lot of people don't know much about racing but yes um co-driving is a lot of fun if you love your co-driver um in december i did the 25 hours of thunder hill where i had four other co-drivers uh-huh. um, so it wasn't just me but a whole bunch of other people that we were all really close and always cheering each other on would come on the radio for our person friend in the car and just be like you know you're doing well here's your lap time the person in front of you is this far away so you know catch up <laughs> uh-huh, you know uh-huh. so <laughs> uh, it's always it's fun to have a a co-driver because it makes you even that much more determined to do that much better because you're not alone in the game if that makes sense and you hold up your side for the team you want to make sure it's kind of like a relay race uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't want to be the guy to crash the car and ruin the race for everyone else. So. You don't want to drop the baton, right? Right, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So. so tell me about the series, too, the series that you've got coming up where you're hoping to co-drive and you're hoping to get involved. Um, I don't know much about the series. Uh, enlighten me, please. Yeah, so it's called the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge Series. Um, with the 24 Hours of Daytona, those sorts of cars, the WeatherTech Series, we are the opening um, race for those bigger cars. So um, it's about a two and a half hour race uh, and you have to have a co-driver. So you come in at about halfway through the race, an hour and a half in, change drivers, you know, get brand new tires, fuel up, um, give your driver a bottle of water, all that good <laughs> sure. stuff. Um, and it's, it's the race where all the car manufacturers put their brand new car in. So um, most of the cars out there are backed by the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Um, like say Mustang comes out with their brand new, uh, Ford comes out with their brand new Mustang. They put that in that series and support the team that wants to run the Mustang. Um, and then Camaro, uh, well, you know, Chevy would put out their new Camaro in this series and support it because they want their, their Camaro to beat the Mustang. So just to, because these fans in this, who watch this series are so dedicated to cars that they will literally go out and buy the car that you know, is winning and that they love the most that they think looks good. So the manufacturers put their brand new cars in this series, um, to compete against their competitors and do the best they can to sell cars from that. So, um, yeah, if you, if you like the new look of, you know, the Alfa Romeo or Audi, uh, Honda, Porsche, all that, um, all the different car manufacturers have a play in the game. So that's where they put their brand new car in this series. Um, Super competitive. A couple of weekends ago, um, they had, I think, close to 60 or 70 cars on track at once competing against each other. Um, There's three different classes on track. The faster cars, which would be the Mustang, the Corvettes, uh, not the Corvettes, excuse me, the Camaros. Um, And then you have the next class, which would be the Audi TCR cars, which Mm -hmm. you might have heard of TCR series, which is um, about 350 horsepower vehicles, all front wheel drive. So the Audi, the Honda Civic, um, Hyundai's come out with a car and Ford might be coming out with their Focus. Um, 
in the next couple of years. And then you have the ST class, which is the, um, you know, 250, 300 horsepower Porsche. Um, you have Mini Coopers running in that. You have some BMW 3 Series running in that. Um, so a lot of different ranges of cars, horsepower, things like that. But it's really special for partners because it's nationally televised. And, you know, it just it just is huge it's a huge event so and it's typically road racing sarah so in other words your it's not oval racing it's uh you know if porsche and those guys and audi are going to get into it um they're all about road racing is that right Correct. So all of our, we don't have any oval races. Every one of our races are road racers. So, um, left and right hand turns typically between two to four mile tracks, just depending on the track elevation change. Um, you know, some track, one track in California has a, you know, think like seven or eight story drop, um, in just one corner. So there's no corner that's ever the same at any track. Um, so it's definitely a totally different skill needed than oval racing. You had mentioned to Audi, the new, is it the R53, the LM3? Um... Yeah, the um, Audi RS3 LMS TCR. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> a mouthful, but nonetheless. Yeah. Tell me so, a little bit, is that is that the car you hope to be racing in? That is definitely the car I hope to be racing in. Um, it's one of the most competitive in the Continental Tire Series, um, as well as the in Pirelli World Challenge, they allow those cars to race. So um, they definitely are really good with supporting the teams that run the car. Audi um, USA is. so, um, And it's, I personally think, the most stunning-looking car out there. Um, it's just jaw-dropping when you see it up close and I, oh God, I'm just itching to get in one. <laughs> There's nothing more that I want to do this year than driving that Audi TCR car, but uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. a lot of work goes into it, but you know, I'm pushing hard for it. <laughs> yeah, and you've mentioned teamwork. You've certainly mentioned, we talked about uh, just skill set. You don't jump into a sports car, especially a race car, and go from zero to literally 60 miles an hour without having lots and lots of stuff behind you. But also sponsorship at your level. Acquiring sponsorship takes time. It takes networking. It takes, you know, all of these kinds of things. If people are out there listening, they're saying, this, uh, this Sarah gal looks like somebody I should be backing. Where do they send the cash, Sarah? Well, um, they can contact me on my website first, um, at sarahracing.com. And I do have an H on my name. Um, but we won't hold and, that against you, Sarah. That's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that ideally that would just be the first place that people can contact me just because I like to, I, I don't like to use the word sponsorship because that seems like a one way street. You know, um, I prefer the word partnership in that I give them something back in return. So, um, I I have two amazing partners right now. Um, Lafayette travel, which is my city. And I don't really know of any other drivers that are civically sponsored. So I'm very proud to have them on board. They've been with me since I've been 16 years old. So, um, Mm -hmm. they're seeing a return, which is super cool. Um, and then, um, a nonprofit charity called Lemons of Love based in Chicago that donates chemo care packages to those going through cancer. Um, so I'm really proud to be partnered with both of them. And um, yeah, I obviously would love to have more on board. <laughs> and and uh, Lemons of Love, of course, I know very well. That's our good friend that we equally share. That's Jill Swanson, of course. Yeah. Yeah. She was the founder, um, in 2014 and was diagnosed with colon cancer and, uh, is kind of like a chipper type person, I would say like really outgoing. And when she went to chemotherapy, 
I think the somber mood just really kind of brought her down. So she wanted to make it um, a happy event for everyone going through <laughs> chemotherapy just to brighten their day, make it a little better for them. Um, so she started bringing these little chemo care packages to them filled with lemon products because lemon helps take the, I think it's like the bitter taste out of their mouth or brings our taste buds back to life mm. for about 30 minutes. Um, and, and yeah, so she started bringing that and people were catching on to her doing such an amazing thing for others. So started helping her help bring others joy. So mm -hmm. it's kind of now turned into what she calls a citrus explosion and is now this very large nonprofit um, called Lemons of Love. And we have a friend going through cancer, and I think uh, Laura, my wife, had ordered something from Jill and from you guys to send to it, and it was well-received. It's something that uh, we'll talk about at the end of the show. But, you know, I want to segue for a second into the obvious, and that's gender disparity. Yeah. Um, being a woman, why has it taken women so long to get into motorsports? Honestly, um, I can see why. Um, when I first started in dirt karting, um, I had people telling me, you're not going to make it because you're a female. Um, I had a school counselor tell me that. And one of my best friend's mom, female, um, told me that, you know, you're a woman, you can't make it. Um, and I can see how that would really upset a lot of young women at 11 years old, you know, um, that would beat them down and Luckily, I had such a strong support from my family and my close friends uh, that, you know, were all for me doing what I wanted to do. And without that, I don't know if I'd be racing today. Um, so I could see how young girls would drop out at such a young age. But, you know, when I got to the pro level, it's been super smooth. All the guys there really my best friends. So um, they they're now super accepting. And it's just those people who are pretty jealous of you doing something you want to do at a young age that were really trying to beat me down. Um, but now everyone's kind of in the same boat. They all want to be a pro driver and totally respect what I want to do and want me to succeed, you know? So, um, I can see why it's taken a while, but I think people are definitely more accepting to it. Um, because people like Danica Patrick and Pippa Mann have kind of led the way for us and Lynn St. James, you know, yeah, have done yeah. such a great job for women. Um, but, you know, they definitely, <laughs> they were the ones who kept me going. Um, Danica was the one who really got me started in racing and without her in it, I don't know if I would have had the motivation to keep going. So, um, I can definitely give that, you know, to women that have come before me. Sarah, I, I don't know if you've had the time, but somewhere in the future, will you reach out to others, men and women, um, to expose them to motorsports? I would love to. Um, I don't necessarily know how to do that. Um, but I know like at the racetrack, sometimes when there's um, a dad and a young daughter, they, I do everything I possibly can to keep them coming to the racetrack. You know, um, I'll have them sit in the car, take pictures, sign an autograph for them, do whatever I can to make sure that the young girls have had the time of their life there. Um, and things of that sort, you know, this past weekend at the Pearly world challenge race, um, there was a huge group of girl scouts, there, young girl scouts that were taken on the podium, um, and, you know, got to take a lot of pictures with the drivers and it just, I, w I kind of go out of my way for young women um, at the racetrack just so that they can feel wanted and want to come back and, you know, that might one day lead them into wanting to be a pro driver or a race car driver. 
And I think it's so interesting because sometimes, and I, I like to follow motorsports, of course, with what I do, but very seldom do I see women. I think there's going to be a day where female race car drivers are so socially acceptable that they won't say, oh, look, woman driver, Sarah Montgomery, they're just going to say, and Sarah Montgomery driving car number, blah, blah, blah. And I think that that will occur. I think we've got a little ways to go yet. And I would imagine that people like yourself who are actively involved at all these levels are going to have to embrace that, especially getting women on board. But again, young people all the way around think that first it's onerously expensive to race. And I know at certain levels it becomes so, but spec racing doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg. Go-kart racing certainly is relatively inexpensive. And right. I don't know how you put that out either, but um, uh, that's something that you are, you are absolutely perfectly suited to do. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely been... <laughs> financially a rough road it's it's never easy <clears throat> and you know the higher and higher you want to go in racing the more expensive it gets so that's um and you know gender at that point doesn't matter it's literally just finding a company that wants to have that national exposure uh -huh. with a good spokesperson so I try and do my best to be the best spokesperson I can because that only helps my situation um and with that being said, I feel like I work harder than a lot of drivers out there in trying to get sponsorship money. Um, just because you see a lot of drivers who are, you know, quickly moving up the ranks and the ladder, um, because their parents have a lot of money and can help them pay for that. So, uh, you know, that's not my case. <laughs> so um, if I want to be a pro driver, I'm going to have to work for it and do whatever I can to get there. So, you know, this, just with that being said, this past year, um, I started in about August of last year to kind of find fundraising for the 2018 season. And I've had over 32 partnership meetings and I think one of them might come through. So it's, it's a lot of work and a lot of people aren't willing to go through how much work that you have to put into it to get the results you want. So, um, that's why you see a lot of the great drivers who are at home right now, you know, with no money because it's so hard. It is just so difficult. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. A lot harder than people think. Isn't it? Uh, I remember some old adage about race car drivers saying, uh, how fast you go depends on how much, how deep your pockets are exactly. or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, you know, cause if you want to get off, you know, spending a lot less money per week. And yeah, there's teams out there that would let you be on their um, team and drive their car, but you might not necessarily win the race. So if you want to be up at the top and on the podium and winning, um, you definitely have to pay a lot more, which is kind of frustrating, but you know, it's obviously worth it because you're going to be winning races and just getting that much more press for all of your sponsors and partners and things like that. Sarah, I've got a, a couple more questions, too. Your time with the Porsche Experience people as an instructor mm -hmm. and, with, and, and with Skip Barber, what, um, how did that come about? Um, well, the, I am next to New Orleans and about two hours away. So the NOLA track is about two and a half hours from me. And um, the Porsche guys were there, you know, watching me race in Spec Miata and succeeding and finally going to the pro level. And they randomly gave me a call and asked if I'd like to help, you know, teach brand new Porsche drivers in their, their personal street car, um, you know, give them 
some sort of skill of car control in this new car because you know that they're not going to behave on the regular street. So <laughs> wait, wait, why, wait. <laughs> right, right. So why not help them out and you know give them pointers um, on the racetrack? So not that we're advising you go take your Porsche on the street and do something crazy, but <laughs> uh, but they do. Yeah, exactly. So we give them a little car control skills and things like that. Um, and then Skip Barber was kind of the same. They were looking for instructors and I had previously been a Skip Barber student. So on the other end, um, and I was very interested in helping others, um, just because a lot of the Skip Barber instructors that helped me definitely made an impact on my racing career. So to think that I would be able to do that for other drivers in the up and coming ranks was a really cool thing. Um, and it's really, Skip Barber was a huge family. Um, you know, I'm really good friends with a lot of people who instructed me. And now I'm still really good friends with a lot of people that I've instructed. Um, so it's really cool to watch some of my little skippy students climbing the ladder um, in the way, you know, different ways that I have. And, you know, they're doing their own tree branch. Um, but it's, it's a, it's cool. It was a really big family and super bummed that they're not really there anymore. Skip uh -huh. So, uh, yeah, but different, you know, different types of instruction with Skip Barber. I'd travel all over the country, California, Atlanta, New Orleans a few times. So that was a lot of fun. I, I miss it. <laughs> you know, Sarah, everybody wants the same thing. And I, I like to call it shortcuts, not those bad ones where you cheated off somebody else in school. But I don't want to have to reinvent the wheel or figure out slicing bread is better than whole bread. And you've been around lots and lots of tracks and you've been in lots and lots of cars, both as a student and as an instructor. So if I got into your car and we're sitting next to each other and you take me out in the track, give me a couple of tips. What if I if I want to go from being, all right, here's how you start the car to yeah. here's how you hit an apex and go through what this is what people want to hear. Give us a little bit of information. Yeah. Um, the first thing that you kind of go through, obviously, once you know, like which direction the track goes, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Important uh, safety tip. Right. Exactly. Where, where to start breaking. Um, the biggest thing that I learned and I still teach today is the, the, um, the raw egg theory. So imagine, um, and, and the string theory. So you never want to be full throttle with your hand completely turned with the wheel completely turned, um, because that's almost going to guarantee that you spin. So, um, the string theory, imagine you have a string, uh, attached to the top of your steering wheel and your toe. Um, so when you're full throttle, your hands are usually straight. So if you're on a straightaway, you're full throttle. And when you turn the wheel, imagine that string pulling the your foot off the gas a little bit. So the harder you're turning, the less throttle you have um, going into the car. I hope this is making sense a little bit. <laughs> it does, huh? Because um, I usually talk with my hands, uh, more of a visual person. But um, but yeah, and then, uh, you know, with the egg theory, it de kind of depends on the car you're in, whether you have ABS or no ABS, anti-braking -like system as to... Uh -huh. Um, how, how the, how hard you want to push the brakes going into certain corners. Um, you know, some corners are definitely a lot softer braking than a lot of others, um, depending on how high your speed is and how slow the corner is. Um, but definitely I would use that, that string theory 
Um, you know, whenever you go to a track that that's for any car, that's for any type of driver, pro driver and rookie, rookie, rookie driver. Um, you know, if you have the, if you have your hand completely turned and you're completely turning for a corner, you shouldn't be full throttle. Just think about the string and exactly how far you should have your foot into the throttle, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. How long do you think it takes from being an, uh, obviously everybody's different. Um, how long does it take to get a modicum of skill driving a, driving a car? Oh, it's, I'm still not, you know, I, I don't think there's ever like a given time, you know, it's like, like you said, everyone's different. Um, and how often you can be in the car really helps. So if you're in the car every weekend or every day, obviously your skills going to become that much faster. But, um, for me, learning car control took me, you know, well, starting with dirt karting, that really helped. Um, because whenever I'd go sideways and get loose, uh, I'd know how to catch it just because karting helped me learn that. So, um, there's definitely many different avenues and that's just kind of a hard question to answer just because everyone's different. Um, you know, but you'll never, uh, there's never anyone that's going to be perfect either. You know, there's always something that can be learned. So it's all, it's like life. You're always learning as you go along. Totally. And, and you're always going to be in a different car whenever you're learning something. So, um, yeah, it's, it's always going to be different, always learning. You, uh, you had said earlier, too, that you've run all over the United States, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm certain very soon the world, you probably have some tracks that you find particularly favorites. What do you like? Yeah, so um, my two favorite tracks um, are Atlanta, uh, Road Atlanta, so uh -huh. I think it's in Brasselton, Georgia, and then um, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, which is in Canada. Um, this year, I had my really bad accident at Most Sport, but it's still one of my favorite tracks. Um, and then Road Atlanta is just such a fun track. It's such quick elevation changes and blind corners and um, scary blind corners in Road Atlanta. <laughs> uh <-huh>. um, <laughs> you know. And then, um, same with most sport, a lot of quick elevation changes, scary blind corners. Um, you know, we're going over a hill at 120 miles an hour. You don't know if there's a car stopped right in front of, you know, when you go over, it's just, it's really frightening. And I think that's the, the tracks I'm best at are the really scary ones, which is kind of interesting because you wouldn't think that. Um, but I just, I guess it's the thrill and the adrenaline of, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm having so much fun. I'm going to do it as best as possible. <laughs> <laughs> have you spent any time up at Road America in Wisconsin? I have. Um, Road America is another really fun track too. Um, it's, it's definitely a long sweeping type track. Um, but honestly, I kind of prefer Road Atlanta and uh -huh. most board over Road America. Uh -huh. And uh, you, you have probably, have you ever driven the corkscrew out at uh, Laguna Seca in California? Many, many times. So earlier when I was mentioning, um, you know, the multiple story drop, you know, I uh -huh. think it's like eight stories or something. The corkscrew is what I was uh, referencing because it's just such huge elevation change. Um, but it, I'll be nice, but I don't love that track as much as Road Atlanta and Mosport. <laughs> How come? How come? So, um, the corkscrew is super fun. Um, but the other track, the other parts of the track aren't as thrilling. Um, you know, at road Atlanta, you're 
you're scared the entire track, like uh-huh. literally. And same with most sport, there is not a safe corner that doesn't even give you a chance to breathe. So, um, with, you know, Laguna Mazda raceway, Laguna Seca, um, corkscrew is super fun corner and the corner before that, I think it's like turn six or something. Um, but otherwise a lot of the other corners are kind of like relaxing breathing corners. You can see what's coming. <clears throat> uh-huh. Excuse me. And, uh, that's just what keeps road Atlanta and most sport, you know, so exciting. Cause you really can't see what's coming around the corner and you're going so fast. Um, but yeah, that's just my personal take. Everyone has their own opinion, sure. but you know, it's all good. As a road racing gal, what do you think of Formula One? Um, I don't really often watch it as often as I wish I could. Um, but, you know, it's it's cool. The drivers are kind of, you know, prima donnas a little bit, which is, I guess, to be expected when you're making multi, multi millions of dollars. Um, but I am a closet Lewis Hamilton fan. <laughs> <laughs> closet? Yeah. <laughs> What's well, that mean? I have many friends that would hate me if I told them I was a Lewis Hamilton fan. So it's fine. <laughs> well, you know what? Here's the thing, sir. I promise the thousands of people that are listening to this will edit that last part out on there. And, and as long as we're going to let's let's finish up with a couple of things. So money, no object. If you could buy a car and Sarah, a means one car, mm-hmm. one car in the entire world. Would it be a vintage Ferrari? Would it be a, gra- a brand new Porsche? What you had one car and all the money to do it? What would you buy? Man, um, I probably would take an easyish route and pick a nine eleven, uh-huh. brand new uh, GT three. Okay, that's a that's a liked car. How come you like that so much? I and the funny thing is, I've never driven one. Um, I've just heard such amazing things about them and they are just absolutely stunning to me. Uh Um, when I see one, I just literally stare and just drool over it. I I think it's just, and they sound good and Porsche itself, the brand is just, you know, hard to beat. So, Mm -hmm. um, that honestly, that would probably be the car I go for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's a, I think you and an awful lot of people in the entire world would probably go the same way. And I, a couple more follow-up questions here, Sarah, if you had to, your, you're now a young woman, but you're not that far removed from your education. Um, if you had to, if you had to take somebody aside, guy or girl, something maybe not even necessarily racing if you had to pass something on uh like i think oprah always says pay it forward if you had to pay something forward to somebody out there in the world what have you learned about life uh maybe through racing maybe through your education maybe through family or friends that uh that you'd like to pass on um i honestly think that it would just be belief in yourself um i know as cheesy as that sounds um Honestly, without that and the belief from others and what I've been dreaming to do my almost my whole life, I would not be here today. Um, I just I just can't imagine having not supportive parents and friends and, you know, without having the belief in myself and the belief from others, I would not be here. So that's definitely what I would pass on is, you know, telling a young female um, who wants to be a race car driver you know, believe in yourself, keep pushing because it is going to get hard. Trust me. Um, but it's, it's worth it when it all comes together. So that's what I push and what I praise all the time. Um, my funny thing is my parents and my whole family and I 
have made a deal. Um, kind of when I first started carting, I think is when it all came together. Um, but if I do became a paid professional driver one day, we're all going to get a tattoo that has the word believe on it. Um, just because, you know, yeah. And it's totally meaningful and, um, we're not getting it until that day comes. And it's been, you know, and honestly it keeps pushing me because I want to see my mom get a tattoo. So that's another (laughs) (laughs) incentive in the whole thing. (laughs) It'll probably um, be some, someplace discreet where she can roll down her sleeve and uh, won't be seen. Totally. Exactly. So that's just that much more motivation I have. (laughs) Sarah, I I had told you off air that one of the things that I was interested in was um, uh, extracting a lesson or two. One day, I'm sure, on my travels, uh, when my wife and I are headed south, I will definitely look you up and uh, hopefully spend a little bit of time with you on the track. And I'm hoping you can improve my driving. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we could work on some things. Well, um, I, let me let me be honest with you, my friends. I think I can get around a track okay, pretty well. Sure. Uh, even though they call me Spin Boy, I can still okay. get out there. And they're, they're so kind. The guys that, uh, that I know that are instructors for various groups. Um, you know those uh, we're number one signs that everybody wears on their hand with the index finger pointed out, the big white yeah. ones at sports events. They will yep. go out there and stand by the apex and point specifically at where that apex is. Nice. So you may you may have a student that needs a little bit of help, Sarah. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to see what you can do with me. Perfect. I'm I'm always up for instruction and helping others. Um, just because the more people who love the sport, the the better it is for us, you know. So right. I can definitely we can work on some things. I'm sure. And should I practice the clarinet before I hit the track? Tell me. Uh, it definitely has helped my um, fine motoring skills. <laughs> <laughs> I should maybe do the tuba or something like that, Sarah. But yeah. I want to, Sarah, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I'm sure you'll be an inspiration to not only women and young women, but certainly guys of all ages that are interested in going out there, thinking it's too difficult, believing in yourself. It sounds to be the thing that you uh, that you would pay forward. Um, and I, I only hope to watch on TV and watch that little uh, Audi RS, that LMS three car. And here's Sarah Montgomery's driving car number, whatever it is. I want to thank you for your time. Uh, Please tell Jill, uh, I hope Lemons of Love is great. And if people want to get in touch with you, give me that email address again, or your uh, website address, please. Yes, sarahracing.com, S-A-R-A-H racing.com. Sarah, again, thank you so much. Good luck in your professional career, and um, I hope to catch up with you soon. I'll call you when my wife and I are headed in your direction. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. (laughs) The pleasure is mine. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us on the Drive with Dave podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you'd like to hear and see more about exotic sports cars, you can connect with us at drivewithdave.com, where you can also sign up for our newsletter. Also, catch us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks again.